and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week, we'll be discussing youth esports. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, as all of the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Chris Avilas. Chris is a STEM teacher in the esports coach at Mammoth Beach School. He's also the founder of Garden State Esports. Garden State Esports is a nonprofit founded by Teachers for Students to create high quality, student centered experience through esports. Previously, he was a teacher at Fairhaven Schools, where he started the first middle school esports program in New Jersey. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Justin. Excited to be here. My pleasure. So, to start off, you know, tell us a little about your past esports and gaming experience. What was the first game you played, and how did you kind of get involved in the esports world? Yeah, I mean, the first game I played goes way back. Is uh, my father was in the army, and when he uh, was discharged, he got a job working at AT and T. And he started driving trucks and he was gone for a long time. You know, I didn't see him all that often. Uh, but eventually they actually asked him if he wanted to go back and learn how to fix computers. And so then my dad started going to night school and, uh, you know, we started to bond over and spend time over, like basically doing his homework. So I started building computers when I was like three or four. Uh, or, you know, until now. Uh, and then from there, uh, you know, this is probably maybe like 89, 90. Uh, you know, he showed me like how to use DOS and I started playing like games like Alley Cat Alley and all these other, you know, kind of little 8-bit games back in the day. And then, uh, you know, my, my love for gaming came from there and the competitive side came out in me uh, in eighth grade when I started playing StarCraft 1 competitively. Uh, we had like a, like a radio shack, you know, who put on like tournaments every once in a while. Um, and so... You know, I'm just a very competitive person by nature. I love to compete. So, you know, if I wasn't playing football or wrestling, uh, I would enter uh, video game tournaments. And so it started with StarCraft and, uh, you know, it turned into uh, CSGO when I was in college and then StarCraft 2 and then Overwatch. And uh, I have two sons now, uh, you know, two under two. So I actually now uh, do Hearthstone because I can play, you know, on my phone with one hand while I'm feeding them. And uh, it's just a way just to stay involved because, you know, competing for me is, uh, you know, it's, it's as much as a hobby as I guess it's something serious. So, yeah, it's been part of my life and I was happy to be able to bring it to schools. Amazing. Well, definitely a big StarCraft fan over here. So I definitely played more than I probably care to admit on air, but, you know, it's definitely an oldie but a goodie. So tell us a little about Mammoth Beach School's esports program. How did it start and what kind of games are the programs competing in right now? Yeah, I mean, so the, the program at Mammoth Beach started really from the program I started at the school I used to work at, which was Fairhaven. Uh, and over at Nolan Middle School, where I taught STEM, I also started the first middle school esports team. Uh, and because there was nobody else to play. We got a lot of positive, you know, national press when, you know, we had our Rutgers versus Nolwood Knights match. And people started to reach out from around the state and say, hey, you know, we would love to do something like this too. But very quickly, you know, over the next three years, I put together this really informal kind of league of schools around Jersey. And, uh, you know, then COVID hit. And the one thing that did not get shut down uh, was our esports league. And so we played, you know, kind of throughout COVID and uh, a lot of the kids confided in us that this was, you know, something that they really enjoyed doing. It's really something that 
had a positive impact on their mental health when everything else in their life got canceled and they couldn't hang out with their friends. Um, and so I started Garden City Sports as a way to kind of formalize and help more schools get involved. And about that same time, uh, Mama's Beach reached out and said that they wanted to develop a you know, robust STEM program and fully supported everything I was doing in the world of esports. Uh, so we came to an agreement. I left uh, my school over in Fairhaven and I went to Mama's Beach, you know, this September. Uh, I started, a, you know, another middle school esports team. I got 26 great kids. And uh, right now we are competing in the middle school Rocket League State Championship, uh, you know, through Garden CD Sports. And uh, we are probably going to play some Overwatch in our winter season. And, you know, I got to kind of see what the kids want to do in the spring. But, you know, it's, it's great to jump in and have the full support of a district and they really went out and decked out my classroom you know i call it the the mammoth beach esports arena i basically have what looks like an esports arena uh you know where i teach stem from during the day and then it magically transforms into the sports arena after school and i have a whole production uh class that i teach and a whole production program that i run after school around streaming and esports so you know we're, we're doing it all we have the, the sel piece we have the cte piece and uh, we have the competitive piece, so it's it's a really cool program. I love the kids. I love the community of Mammoth Beach. Everybody's super supportive, and uh, you know, overall, it's been a home run so far in the, the the few months since I started it up. Amazing. Well, there's definitely a lot to digest there, but I think you know the biggest thing to kind of take from this is you started to develop these middle school esports programs. So, what kind of hurdles did you encounter initially, and how did it kind of grow and evolve over time? Yeah, I mean, so middle school are basically the same that we see at the high school level. And I guess maybe even beyond that, uh, parents were concerned about screen time and violent video games and health and wellness and uh, the toxicity, you know, that in the game because they've heard their kids getting yelled at or yelling at other kids or throwing their controllers. They don't know who the kids are playing with. And so now take all of those things that, you know, we hear about definitely the high school space from concerned stakeholders, maybe even the collegiate space. Um, but now throw into the mix that you're trying to play with kids that are under 13. So that's a whole different you know, legal aspect. That's a whole different mindset. That's a whole different video game rating uh, that you have to look at. And so, you know, luckily coming into Mammoth Beach, I had their full support and I didn't have to convince anybody. But those were the hurdles initially I had to overcome when I was in Fairhaven. And, you know, Garden State Esports has some really great curriculum around social emotional learning and health and wellness and, you know, safe, inclusive spaces and dismantling toxicity uh, and, and creating technical education. And all of those curriculums came from the concerns that stakeholders had because I basically said, if you let me run this esports program, I will take all of your concerns. And I will build a curriculum and a class, you know, around it. And, and that's what got them to agree. And, you know, those are the hurdles that I jumped over, I guess, as an educator, the only way I knew how it, that is by teaching the kids, you know, what we want them to know through something that they love. So, uh, you know, it, it took a minute uh, to get everybody sorted, you know, when I started this about five years ago, four years ago. Uh, but now, you know, at least in my sphere where I work, everybody's on the same page and we're seeing, you know, big, big numbers with Garden State Esports. You know, we just hit our uh, 132nd school district, which represents about 25% of the state, joined our league. So, 
Um, I'm adding school districts every week at this point. So I'm hoping that we reach that saturation point or that tipping point where people understand all of the value and benefits of uh, scholastic esports. Awesome. Well, I mean, I, a lot of those concerns are definitely things that you mentioned you addressed. And it's interesting to see how you're able to kind of take these hurdles and figure out ways to resolve them. And hopefully going forward, the next set of students will understand this. And these might not be as big issues in five years from now as they are now. Yeah, I mean, you know, what's interesting is we know that a certain subset of gaming culture has a problem with racism and homophobia and misogyny. And what's interesting is, you know, the pro esports space and, and probably even the collegiate esports space is male dominated. Uh, but it turns out what we're seeing, at least in Garden State Esports, is at our level, the coaches, the club advisors, the, the people in charge, um, they're primarily women, right? A little bit more than half of our league are female coaches. And I'm excited to continue to grow this program because I know that uh, the female coaches in my league, they don't tolerate any of that nonsense. It's not, not to say that the men do, but obviously if we're trying to make steps toward you know, eradicating the misogyny we see in gaming, the fact that these kids are being coached by and answering to women in the space, I think is going to help you know, start to solve these problems that we're seeing because I really do believe the answer to the issues that we see, the answer to the concerns that we have is through education, right? We're bringing it, you know, quote unquote, out of the basement, like the stereotype says. And we're getting these kids together face to face and we're getting them to play and see each other and learn from each other and realize that the people behind the screen are real people. Uh, and, you know, I think that's going to be a big part of alleviating some of the concerns that these stakeholders have is that we're educating them and these coaches and club advisors, uh, again, many of whom are women, are becoming the role models and are modeling for these kids what it's like to win and lose in class and why you don't throw your controller and how when you get frustrated, you know, you can keep yourself under control and why it's not okay to go to the darkest places you know, when you're losing, it's not okay to, you know, say racist things just because you want to hurt the other person. And because they're behind the screen, you're, you're you know, very unlikely to get caught or have any consequences. It's still not okay. So I'm excited to see how we can change the culture through scholastic esports. And so I think, like you said, hopefully in years to come, we don't have to worry about that stuff because we have a strong culture around gaming and inclusivity and stuff like that. Absolutely. I, mean, I think that's a great point that you're bringing up about, you know, the gender disparity, but the fact that, you know, you have females in this position where it's like they're in charge. They're the one who's educating you. They're the one who's kind of running the show in this esports world that, especially on the professional level, is, I would say, 70 to 80% male. Uh, you know, I don't know exact, but I, I would be shocked if it was less than that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Um, so, yeah, so let's talk a little about the Garden State Esports. So why did you kind of form it, and what's some recent work you've been doing with it? Number one was to give kids a place to play during COVID. And now that we're finally coming out of it, giving them a sense of belonging and a home and something to be a part of at school. Right, what we're finding, because I'm a big data nerd and I love to collect all this stuff and I do surveys all the time, uh, a lot of the kids that are involved in esports aren't involved in anything else. They're not involved in clubs, they're not involved in traditional sports. And so this is their first real homeschool connection. And we know that when a kid has a homeschool connection, uh, you see improved grades, attendance, and behavior. So getting kids involved, giving them that sense of belonging, and then obviously all the traditional benefits of uh, you know, regular sports can be seen in esports, teamwork, communication, goal setting, leadership, all that stuff. Uh, the other side of this is I was very concerned about what I was seeing from the for profit space and how they were basically preying on schools and students and monetizing student data uh, while delivering a subpar product to, to really just make money off our kids. Uh, and that didn't sit right with me as somebody who has a foot in the education space, as somebody who has a foot in the esports space. You know, I kind of can see the whole picture. And, you know, while they're able to grift, you know, school districts, I, I see what it could be, what it should be, and what they're doing. Uh, and so I wanted to provide an alternative for schools in New Jersey, other than, you know, the big price tags and, uh, you know, getting your student data sold by some of these for profits. And so it's really about just providing the best experience for kids, protecting them, uh, educating them and making sure they have a good time and they leave better people than when they started. Uh, and you know, as we come out of COVID, that's probably what I'm most excited about is that we can get back to face-to-face events 
Uh, I rented out the Rutgers University Esports Arena. We're going to have a big fall land center tournament game of you know day of learning gaming everybody coming together in the Garden State Esports community. Uh, you know, and really just kind of celebrate and have a good time with all the cool stuff that everybody's doing. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. We're still doing all the work that we do in career and technical education and social emotional learning, educating people around esports and best practices, uh, and, and really how to make a truly robust scholastic esports program. Amazing. I think it's really interesting and it's a little different than a lot of the other more, you know, nonprofits that you're actually acting as a league organizer and hosting these events and kind of really operating in both the educational and advisory capacity as well as an operator. Yeah, I mean, uh, Garden State Esports is actually recognized as a tournament organizer by almost all of the major game developers and, and some of the, you know, up and coming game developers like uh, Melon Studios who makes Knockout City. They're so excited to work with, you know, Garden State Esports and people like us who are doing what's right for kids. So uh, we're, we're able to not just be the platform and do things right and give meaningful competition while protecting student data and all that good stuff. Um, but we're able to bring, like you said, the education piece into it. Um, we're able to advocate, you know, uh, on all kinds of different levels with parents. We do parent workshops with educators. We do coaching uh, coaching certification and workshops for administrators. Uh, even, you know, we're, we're getting involved on the, uh, uh, you know, in the, in the political sphere, we're working, uh, toward getting some legislation passed that recognizes Garden State Esports as the, you know, official scholastic league of New Jersey. Because like I said, I've also played traditional sports here in New Jersey and coached forever. Uh, and I know the folks over at the state athletic association and they don't want anything to do with, new, you know, esports. So that has continued to open the door for us to also be that regulating governing body of esports in New Jersey. And I think it's wonderful. Everybody on my team is a teacher and combined, we have over 200 years teaching experience. And so our bottom line is always gonna be to our kids uh, and not to some shareholders. Uh, and I think that's what esports should be, you know, in the K-12 space is, you know, I mean, Nobody owns football, and I know it's different because these game developers you know, own the IP for the video games. But imagine if somebody hired a for-profit company to come in and, and run football in New Jersey. The idea is ridiculous, but we're allowing it to happen all over the country. You know, uh, we're, we're giving away esports to the for-profits. You know, basically saying we don't understand it, we don't want to run it. You know, you do it, and you know. It's, it's disappointing. You know, again, like having coached football, I know that a lot of the money made from having a, a football team or a football season, it goes to paying the referees who usually come from a nonprofit. It goes to upkeep of the field and stuff like that and gets spread out to other athletic programs uh, at the school so other kids can be involved in other things because, well, you know, football is a big moneymaker. Some sports aren't. But it's used, right, to get other kids involved companies are doing with these for profits uh, and the money that they're making and charging kids is they're just passing it on to shareholders and they're investing in their own, you know, CEOs, multi-million dollar uh, salary. And, you know, it just doesn't sit right with me that this is, you know, people are getting rich off the hard work of teachers uh, and the excitement of kids. So, you know, that's a big part of it. And, 
that's a big part of the reason why we are approaching it probably a little bit differently. And we are doing, you know, uh, a, a one-stop shop, governing body, platform, tournament organizer, education, outreach, you know, kind of thing is because we want to make sure it's done right for our kids. How do you kind of, you know, make sure that you don't toe into that line of a sponsor or brand coming over the top? And you're like, okay, well, we're going to be the official keyboard. So every kid in New Jersey is going to only know about our keyboard. How do you kind of try to stay in the middle? Because, you know, a lot of these organizers you mentioned, that's where a lot of their money comes from, not just the entrance fees, which are pretty negligible compared to what a sponsor could bring to the table. Yeah, I mean, and, and really, at least so far in the you know, first two years of being in, you know, existence, we haven't pursued or looked for sponsorships. We're looking for donors and partnerships. And so, you know, for instance, uh, we have a partnership with the Army. And where the Army, you know, both with Garden State Esports and other organizations are looking to get recruitment information, you know, actual data on students. We refused to give it to them, but instead said, you know, the Army has fantastic research around the performance triad, which is the effect diet, sleep, and exercise has on performance. I said, what if we work together to include the Army's research in, uh, you know, our curriculum? And that's what we did. And it, it turned out to be fantastic. Or, you know, uh, the Army obviously is looking for recruits. And so I said, well, you can't have student information. You can't have their emails and stuff like that. You're not going to find a bigger supporter of the military than myself, because I just said at the top, you know, the show, my dad was in the army, and I, you know, owe a lot of who I am and, and my existence to the fact that my father joined the army. My father was going down, you know, a bad path, and my father was getting into trouble, and the army set him straight, put him on a path where. You know, he became successful and he raised a family, which included myself and my sister. And, you know, we were first generation Americans. We were first generation to go to college, my sister and I. And so without the military, I don't know if I would be here or if my life would look like it does. So I have no problem giving the army a platform to say, hey, here's what you can do and here's what you can be and here's how you can leverage the army as a career or a pathway for college. Right. So it's all about giving kids opportunities and basically taking what we believe and finding partners and sponsors to amplify our message. Right. And so the, the people who knock on our door and say, oh, we want to do this, we want to be the official keyboard of Garden State Esports, we don't need an official keyboard. We do need uh, industry professionals who want to talk about how you make those keyboards, who sells those keyboards, how you can get involved in working at a company you know, that sells these keyboards. And that's what we wind up doing. And when it comes to sponsorship dollars or donor dollars, they are more than happy to also provide that money, you know, to have conversations with the kids, to, to come to events like we're having at Rutgers. And again, they're not getting a platform to say, we're the official keyboard. Uh, they're getting a platform, you know, to help educate our kids about possibilities, about careers, about pathways. And you know, it's funny, one of our sponsors and donors and partners are uh, people like Anbox and the New York Excelsior. And what was interesting to them is I was not asking to talk to their pro players. I was asking to talk to their community managers. I was asking to talk to uh, the coaches of the pro players. I was asking to talk to the people who worked in marketing and graphic design and saying, hey, 
can we interview those people? Can we do webinars with those people? Can we do an AMA with those people? And that's what's really exciting is when these kids, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And you can't be serious about STEM without being serious about esports. And there's so much uh, opportunity for these kids in the collegiate space and then in the esports ecosystem where all these lucrative careers are going to be. So I want to expose kids to the companies and not their keyboard, right? But the whole process that goes behind making the keyboard, marketing the keyboard, manufacturing the keyboard, uh, designing the keyboard. And do they get to put that keyboard out there for kids to see? Yeah, but they're doing it in a different way. It's not about we're the best esports keyboard, you have to use us. It's about like, hey, let us tell you about what goes into making this keyboard and running this company that sells the keyboard. Uh, so everything that we do is through the lens of our mission. Uh, we do not bring any up, anybody on board who doesn't understand or want to be a part of that mission. Amazing. I think that's a great way to kind of do it where you're getting these more intangible benefits. This information that's priceless is more than, like you said, having the HyperX logo slapped on a flyer. It's just not the same value that the students will get and the participants in these different events. So how large can K through 12 esports get? Massive. I mean, uh, massive. You know, the, the uh, you know, I always go back to something Jim O'Hagan says, and I'm sure I'll get the numbers wrong, but the impact hopefully is there is, you know, everybody's all excited uh, about the fact that, uh, you know, esports is going to be a, you know, booming billion dollar industry. Well, the education space is a trillion dollar industry. And it's always refilled because kids just keep coming in. So the idea that, you know, 25% of the state uh, in Garden State Esports is about 3,000 kids, you know, we could continue to grow this because there's, you know, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, 6 million kids in the K through 12 education space in New Jersey. So there's opportunity there. There's the, the education market, which is going to drive in people who want to support Scholastic Esports the right way, who want to support, you know, like we have an SHI, who is a, a state education vendor here in New Jersey who loves what we do. And, and they, you know, donate quite a bit and they don't ask for anything in return because they just know that, hey, we can help grow this mission of doing what's right for kids in school. So, you know, there's money and interest there. The kids are there. Uh, it's, it's a huge space, uh, and it's something I think that is going to continue to grow to be on par with any other, you know, varsity sport or athletic program that you see in a school. You know, we all know that football in Texas is big business. I could see that happening in a lot of states with esports, right? Interesting. So do you think other states will kind of follow the model that you're doing there in New Jersey and having these independent organizations, or it will be more through the state associations that are already kind of governing sports? You're, you're seeing both, but what's upsetting is a lot of the state associations are partnering with the for-profits and kind of wiping, you know, washing their hands of it and saying, we don't want to be involved. This company is going to run it for us. And that's the end of that where, you know, currently there's about 16 other state organizations that are nonprofit run by teachers like me. Um, and I don't know if I would say that they're following Garden State Esports, but we all talk, we all network, we're all on the same Discord, bouncing ideas, sharing documents, uh, best practices. So 
I think you're going to see the rise of the grassroots teachers led nonprofits. And you got to think about that's where these state organizations at one time started, right? The NJSIA at one time was just a nonprofit who had eventually earned the trust of all the schools in New Jersey. And after a hundred years, they have it. Well, esports is at what, most five years old. So in 95 years, who knows what Garmin State Esports is going to look like. We might be, you know, the state athletic association that has every school like our state athletic association does. Um, so, you know, I, if I had to tell you, honestly, knowing what states are doing, what I'd say it's 50, 50 split. I think you, you have, you know, about half of the states doing it, nonprofit grassroots teacher led organizations. And you have half the states doing it through their athletic associations. Uh, you know, not necessarily the right way, but some are doing a nice job. Uh, you know, and we'll see how that shakes out. Well, I guess we'll see who wins in the end, but hopefully it's uh, the teachers and the athletic associations that are doing the right thing. Yeah, I agree. I think that at the end of the day, that's what's going to probably weigh out that when the, the for-profit going up against you guys who can do things differently, it's a really hard battle to say the least. Um, so, you know, kind of bring towards the end. What are a few tips you have for a school kind of creating a program there at their school? And so this is where you'll hear things that probably the for-profits would never tell you is number one, I would never just sell an esports team to my schools, right? When I go and talk to the schools, I say, hey, you're going to make an investment in STEM that also comes with an after-school program that is going to draw in students that typically are underserved or are just going home after school, right? We're going to uh, invest in a program for your school that comes with career and technical education benefits, that comes with social emotional learning benefits, uh, you know, while also giving you the ability to offer uh, improved graphic designs class and video editing classes and CAD classes and cybersecurity classes, because it's easy to make all those connections through an esports program. Even as a former high school English teacher, I have an a, a esports journalist on my team that's a kid. I have a statistician. I have a website you know, developer. I have a podcaster. And all these jobs are run by kids. So you're bringing all of that authentic learning into schools just by adding right, a robust STEM program that includes esports. And so it's really hard, I think, sometimes to sell a straight-up esports program what schools should be selling to stakeholders is a investment in STEM. And that's what you get when you invest in, you know, an esports kind of model or something like that. That makes sense because yeah, the competitive program is a competitive program, but everything else around it and revolving is just much more valuable than just who's good at rocket league. Exactly. And, you know, the other thing too is for these schools to realize, uh, Again, when these companies knock on their door and say, hey, you need to have top of the line computers and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to have an esports program, it's not true. We have a model that is bring your own device at Garner State Esports, where the kids and the teachers bring stuff in that they have and the school hooks it up to the network and they can participate in that. We have a, a model that just uses a switch. 
So for $300, a school can participate with Garden State Esports every day of the week and enter a state championship every season just with the $300 switch. Uh, I talk to schools about how if they have a computer that's five or seven years old, they can probably play esports because esports is about performance and not about the graphics looking pretty, right? We know that some of these games like, uh, you know, like an Overwatch or League of Legends, they can run out of potato. So a lot of schools already have what they need. And then you get into even, you know, getting creative with something like a GeForce Now, where you could spend $10 per kid and have your Chromebook, which dominates the, the tech space. Uh, you can, you know, have cloud gaming and Rocket League brought to your Chromebook for $10 a kid. So there's ways to do this on no budget, low budget, high tech, no tech, low tech. And uh, I think that's the other thing that schools have to realize you know, when they come to me and they ask, oh, you know, how do we get involved? How do I start a program? What they so often want to start talking about is equipment. And what they really should be talking about is curriculum and integrating it into the what the kids are learning and having a social emotional learning piece and a CTE piece and how they're going to make the connections between their English class and esports. And that's the kind of stuff that matters. That's the kind of stuff that keeps a program growing. And, and you know, if, if it is ever going to get a school budget, if that's what's going to keep it, you know, top of mind for these educators is the meaningful impact it's making on students. So, you know, I think that, again, when you think about esports, you have to think about the district's uh, learning goals, right? What are the learning goals for your students? And then let's talk about how we find ways to fit esports uh, into that already existing, you know, narrative of what's going to help your students learn better. It's not about equipment. It's not about spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, it's about the kids and it's about, you know, teaching them what we want them to learn through something that they love. And so I see that is a big mistake that a lot of districts make is they want to talk about equipment uh, and they want to talk about budgets and money uh, and they want to talk about, you know, that kind of stuff instead of being student centered. Interesting. I think that's just some amazing advice there. And it really kind of repositions it to where it's like, it's like you said, it's not just based on having all the high tech mouses and keyboards and, you know, these private schools that maybe have access to a state of the art computer facility. It's about being able to have an Xbox or a PlayStation and being able to just kind of teach the fundamentals and give these opportunities that wouldn't have existed before. Exactly. Amazing. So let's kind of conclude this. So what's the future for the esports program at Mammoth Beach Schools? Uh, at Mammoth Beach, I'm hoping to expand. I'm hoping to, uh, you know, I got two kids at home, so it's hard for me to stay multiple days uh, of the week. So I'd love to figure out a way uh, to offer more opportunities for my kids, but also, you know, not have my wife divorce me. So, you know, just looking to bring more to the kids. Uh you know, as the president of Garden State Esports, I get to bring those kids on all of the cool stuff that we get invited to do, you know, as a nonprofit. So continuing just to find more opportunities for my kids to showcase their talents, and, uh, you know, translating that to bringing other kids around the state along with what we do. It's really just kind of uh, continuing, you know, at least for my program specifically, to continue to show off what Scholastic Esports in schools can look like. And so that's important to me. So what about the future for Garden State Esports? What are some of the long-term and short-term goals? Uh, these face-to-face -face events, having a face-to-face -face event for every season so these kids can get to know each other and make new friends and new friends groups super important to me. Um, 
working toward that legislation of having Garden State Esports recognized as a, a scholastic league here in New Jersey, uh, which, you know, we already have the support of the Department of Ed, uh, but, you know, that would further solidify that relationship. Uh, I'm trying to create a pipeline. Uh, we've partnered up with uh, Conference One, CF1, which is a collegiate conference here in New Jersey. They have about 165 colleges, and so we're partnering with them where our kids, as they start to get towards senior year, uh, they could get out in front of these colleges and, and not just to play, you know, esports at these colleges, but just to go to career fairs, go, go college fairs. And uh, even if they're terrible at the game, still have an opportunity to hear from colleges they may be interested in going to. Uh, so it's, it's really, again, just exposing kids to uh, all the opportunities out there. And so I think, uh, you know, that collegiate pipeline that I'm building here in New Jersey, uh, you know, and every public college here in New Jersey has an esports program. Hopefully we keep kids in our state. Uh, Atlantic City, you know, is a very esports friendly city where there's going to be a lot of jobs. I, you know, I dream of these kids, you know, going through Garden State Esports, going to college in New Jersey majoring in, you know, esports production at Stockton, uh, and then going down and working in Atlantic City and then just continuing to make New Jersey great. Amazing. Well, I think that that's a really great plan, and we're definitely here to support you. So I like to end each episode with my three questions. So what's your favorite game to watch? Uh, StarCraft Two. still to this day. I love watching StarCraft. I'm, I played I'm, I can't play it. I, I, I've lost my touch. I'm getting older. The reflexes aren't oh, there. Yes. I, can't, I can't micromanage or really even macro anymore. Uh, but boy, do I just love watching a good StarCraft you know, stream or competition. I definitely jump on. Last night, I played a game of StarCraft 2. And like you said, it's like, I can do it. But like once stuff starts happening, it just gets too much chaos. But it's and, fun. It, it's fun, you know, but it's tough for me. Like I said, is I'm a super competitive person. So even if I'm playing for fun, I always get mad when I lose. And so it's just, I kind of had to just give up StarCraft because I can't play a 45 minute game, uh, you know, and then lose just because, you know, I used to be pretty good, but I don't have the time to, to stay current. So I, I, I stick with Hearthstone, which is, it's a lot easier for me to play and manage and do well in. So, you know, it's, uh, it's like I tell the kids, I said, I hate losing, uh, but, you know, I, I, I work through it. So the kids get the kids get to see me deal with losing. Yes, losing hard. So what's your favorite game to play? Uh, I, honestly, I love any good role-playing game. I usually always have a role-playing game going uh, that I play, you know, whenever I get a chance, which isn't all that often these days. I just finished the newest Subnautica, which was a lot of fun. Um, and so I would, out, I would say outside of whatever, you know, role-playing game uh, that I'm playing in my free time, I get to play a lot of Hearthstone because I got two hungry kids. Uh, you know, one of them usually needs a bottle every hour. So I get to play some Hearthstone. <laughs> Amazing. So who's your favorite video game character? Oof. I don't know if I have a favorite video game character. I definitely have like a favorite video game storyline. Uh, you know, and, and I love the way the characters all kind of work together in the game. Uh, Bioshock Infinite, man is just one of those games I go back to, you know, every three or four years and maybe just play because I just love the story and, and the characters. And, you know, together the characters maybe aren't all that special, but for me, that, that storyline, that was just right up my alley. 
Awesome. So yeah, you know, thanks so much for joining us. This was extremely insightful. So tell everybody where they can find you and where they connect with Garden State Esports. Yeah. Um, so I am teched up teacher on all social media, T-E-C-H-E-D up teacher. Uh, so you can find me personally there. Uh, and then we are GS Esports Org uh, on Twitter, uh, on Instagram. We're Garden State Esports on the Facebook and the TikToks. Uh, and then if you want to check out our site or get in touch with me, uh, gsesports.org. Amazing. So, you know, thanks everybody again for tuning in and make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q and check Apple podcasts for all our past episodes. Mm-hmm.